You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Left to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 50. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25, 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of the Belmont. Down the split in time. No one will catch him. It's a touchdown. My goodness. Came into the game. Wayne punched the ball with a groin injury. Didn't practice all week. But he just took it right the gut through the heart of the Minnesota Viking Cubs unit. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send us a text message to the phone number 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. Man, I feel like we've been away for quite some time. As you guys have – I'm sure you could tell – We've been kind of tapering off a little bit. There's not a whole lot to talk about. And just like last offseason, you know, if you guys remember when we first cranked up uh, with Packers Total Access, we just did two episodes a week. That may be the case here. Um, the reason being is I don't want to just try to claw for uh, for content, right? The last thing I want to do is waste anyone's time. I don't want to just try to find filler. Oh, we need to put a podcast out. That's not the route I want to go. When we give you something, we want it to have a lot of substance. And we want it to be kind of, con- you know, uh, the content to be uh, listener-driven, that type of thing. And just right now, man, we're, we're in the waiting game with Aaron Rodgers, obviously, like we have been. Not on Aaron Rodgers, but on the two clubs to get a trade done. And um, obviously compensation, all that stuff's what's holding it up. Um, and we got the draft coming up. We're going to do more episodes here in the coming weeks because the draft, as it gets closer, more information is unveiled. And we're kind of getting ready for that draft night, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, and I just want to go ahead and forewarn, I'm on puppy duty right now. Some of you guys who follow me on Twitter, we got two German Shepherd puppies um, that we're going to uh, to be raising here and training. I'm going to hill train them. And, uh, and really, I, my goal is to have them ready for the freaking military. But they're going to be domesticated, hanging out in the house. And we just we just upgraded the security systems all we did, right? So um, you may hear them howl. Right now, they're like eight weeks old, okay? Um, they whine worse than me when Mandy asked me to take out the trash, dude. It's bad. So you may hear some whimpering. I'm going to do my best not to shout, <laughs> but hopefully they don't get too out of control. Right now they're napping. They just ate dinner. So 
Um, with that being said, though, we had a, I actually had a listener uh, send me a text message and ask me a question about, hey, who would you take with the number 15 pick? And, you know, I responded with, nobody cares what I think we should take at number 15. What I want to know is what do Packer fans want? at number 15, right? And this is assuming there's no swap between the 15 and the 13 with the Jets. This is assuming that they're not going to trade up or down. We're just sitting at 15. Although one of the uh, responses that we did get was uh, was someone actually suggesting that we would um, trade back, right? And uh, we'll kind of explore that a little bit as well. But what I did was put a tweet up, and uh, I'll just go ahead and jump right into it, read it off here. With the tweet, what I said was, I said, all right, Packers fans, gathering more info for the next podcast, who do you hope Green Bay drafts with the number 15 pick? And there was several responses. It got really, really good feedback. And, um, you know, a couple of joke jokers in there asking for a kicker, asking for some other nonsense, which we're not going to cover, which we know they were joking. But um, pretty cool seeing uh, Mike the Super Fan, um, you know, uh, throw up a little gif here of Bijan Robinson. We had several people respond with uh, really picks from all over the board you know, as far as potential prospects that might be drafted by the Packers at number 15. This was a really fun exercise. So what I'm going to do is <clears throat> I actually pulled up my draft board, which is up to date. I'm still finalizing, but it's really coming into focus. There's not much at all that's going to change on this board, although I'm adding notes in. And there are, you know, just a couple of players that haven't been hit on by the people that I trust the most when it comes to draft coverage. And uh, we've really got this thing kind of narrowed down to where we think it should be. I'm really, really excited to see how everything unfolds. So what I'm going to do as we read off the uh, the picks that the fans made on Twitter uh, with the num number 15 pick, I'm going to kind of tell you guys where they fall on my draft board, okay? So that's the whole goal of this podcast. I want you to come away knowing, okay, if we were to take this player, here's where Packers Total Access has that player on their big board. And if there's a special note, which I've got notes next to some of these players, we'll just kind of mention a little bit about them, not a whole lot. You guys know I'm not a huge mock draft fan. I love reading other people's mock drafts. I'm just not a big fan of doing it myself because I really want to put all my energy, all my focus into trying to understand the draft, trying to learn a little bit more and dig into the prospects a little bit more rather than just going, oh, man, I, I think this team will take this one out the end. It becomes a guessing game every year, right? And it's amazing how everybody's got mock drafts, but you never hear them talk about when they miss pick. <laughs> you never hear anyone talk about, you know, like Michael Lombardi said the other day on the GM Shuffle, I believe it was Michael Lombardi that said it. He said, you know, the draft grades, as soon as the draft's over, everybody's got a draft grade. Each team gets a draft grade, right? Which is hilarious because basically what the writers are saying is, whoa, these teams really screwed this up, right? They give somebody a C, they could have done way better than this. That's what you're, what you're saying is you understand the front office, you understand player personnel, you understand player evaluation better than people who are getting paid the big bucks to do it. And that just cracks me up. And what Michael Lombardi suggested was, you know what we ought to do? We ought to start giving – we ought to start doing grades for the draft grades. <laughs> so, you know, these these media personalities, they run, you know, run their victory laps talking about, oh, this team screwed up, that team screwed up. Last year it was, you know, one of the big ones was Kyle Hamilton. Nobody liked Kyle Hamilton because he ran a funky uh, – a, a wonky 40-time, right? Um, and, and there's player – you know, Malik Willis was one that – Dan Orlovsky and several other people, they skyrocketed him to the top. And I remember Michael Lombardi saying, this, this kid is not a top talent. He's not a top quarterback talent. 
and he was pounding the table talking about that, not to beat him down, but just like this happens every year. Everybody's mock drafts gets everyone amped up, and then you get to the point where the draft hits, and lo and behold, somebody – like there were people that had Malik Willis mocked number two to the Lions, and I fell victim to it. I really did. When, when I seen that, I'm like, these people are really – man, there must be something I'm missing on Malik Willis. And I'm not a scout. I'm not a player evaluator, you know, a talent evaluator, right? I like to compile the data with the people that I trust and then kind of go in and go, okay, where do I think these guys are going to fall? And I would not have been surprised that the Lions took Malik Willis at number two because I allowed people to talk me into him because of all the athletic ability and throwing off platform and across his body and the arm strength, everything you're hearing about Anthony Richardson, right? Now, Anthony Richardson, in my opinion, is more talented than Malik Willis, although if you look at the statistics, Malik Willis was more accurate than Anthony Richardson. What's that tell you? And, you know, I said it in the in the Discord chat the other day, and, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, nor am I saying like, oh, I, you know, I, you guys got to trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm standing on the table here. This, this is exactly how everything's going to fall into place. But the, the thing that I kind of proposed was let me, let me ask everybody, and, I, and I'll ask all the listeners right now, if Anthony Richardson – Ran a four seven forty, right? If his athletic score wasn't great, would you still want to draft him in the first round? We all know what that answer is. We all do. But the people who were, you know, in that Anthony Richardson fan, you know, fan club that uh, I don't mean that in a snob way. That his biggest supporters, you know, they don't want to look at it that way. The goal isn't to have someone. Who, when the when the play breaks down, you can run around and make a fantastic play. I mean, that is a great addition to a set of skills that provide that's provided to a quarterback that can play, you know, that position at the NFL level. But to pretend like that's first and foremost most important, that's silly. And then you get people that talk about traits, right? You know, arm strength. Uh, you know, uh, there, there's there's a, a ton of different ways that you can identify traits, right? And when you talk about some organizations really fall in love with that. It's the shiny object is what Michael Lombardi talks about all the time on the GM shuffle. You know, they fall in love with these shiny, shiny objects. And and he was the one last year that was saying that about Malik Willis. And I just basically muted him and went with Dan Orlovsky and went with other people. I'm like, man, there's got to be something there. So I moved Malik Willis up my board, even though my criteria, everything that I put into my system was suggesting, no, he, he is at, at, at best, a quarterback that should be drafted at the bottom of the first round, but he, he honestly should be a second or a third round talent. Right. And what did I do? I allowed myself to be talked into it at number two. I'm like, this could be Malik Willis. Then at number five, this could be Malik Willis. And at number eight, this could be Malik Willis. I found myself doing that all night long. And then we seen him on the football field and what happened? You know, he struggled, he struggled bad. And, and you don't expect a rookie to come in and just play lights out, but there was nothing that you've seen on tape that suggested, Oh yeah, he's got it. It's just going to take some time. And I think that's what you kind of see with uh, with Anthony Richardson. So anyway, with all that being said, let's let's kind of dive into it. I'm going to try to go in order the least amount of votes to the most. And we're going to talk about where these players hit on my draft board. OK, and that'll kind of lay everything out as we go through this. And again, all this information comes from people following me on Twitter that uh, decided to answer the question. And I'm excited to uh, to kind of dive into them here. So here we go. Number one. Quentin Johnston, okay? He only got one vote, all right? Basically, what we have here are 11 players that got votes, and I'm going to talk about how many votes each player gets, okay? Quentin Johnston got one vote, all right? Quentin Johnston 
is number 20 on my big board. You know, he's a wide receiver out of TCU. He's a burner. He's he's kind of that that straight line speed type of guy. A lot of people are trying to compare him to DK Metcalf. In my opinion, he is not DK Metcalf. Now, some people are hearing that and they're saying, well, last year DK Metcalf wasn't DK Metcalf or, or the year that he came out in the draft, right? And why is that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. He probably should have went higher in the draft. Players, Quentin Johnson, in my opinion, is not as good as DK Metcalf, right? That's just kind of the way I see that. Uh, I've heard some people say he's not even a first-round talent. I think that might be a bit extreme. Um, but at the same time, these are people that I trust that they're just really not crazy about Quentin Johnson. However, he did get one vote. That's a name that's been linked to several uh, to the Packers by several people. And, uh, you know, we do need another weapon. We do. Now, me personally, with the number 15 pick, if we were to take Quentin Johnson, right, his grade's an 18.3 for me. And you guys know my grading skills is pretty much different from anybody else, right, that you'll ever see when it comes to uh, draft coverage. It's just a, a system that I created that I really, really enjoy. And it's 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 been pretty accurate for me over the years. I've been doing this since, I believe, 2009, if I remember correctly. Either, it was either 2009 or 2010 when I did this the first time. And I've kind of tweaked things over the years. But he comes in at number 20. So to kind of put that into perspective, as far as wide receivers above him, I've got one wide receiver above him, and uh, that is Jordan Addison. So I've actually got Smith, Jackson Smith, and Jigba just below Quentin Johnston. However, they pretty much grade out the same way. Okay, 18.3 and 18.6. Now, Jackson Smith and Jigba, what's lacking in his game? That vertical explosion. He's got as much lateral explosion as you'll ever want. Jackson Smith and Jigba, in my opinion, has slot receiver just written all over him. And with Quentin Johnston, you've got a boundary receiver, right? You've got your X or your Z, whichever, you know, whatever spot you want to put him in. Probably the X, in my opinion. But he's he's graded slightly higher than Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I've still got Jordan Addison in the 16 slot. And his grade is a 14, uh, Jordan Addison's is, right? So he's one tier above Quentin Johnson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I just wanted to mention that Quentin Johnson got one vote. He's number 20 on my board. Me personally, I would rather see them take Jordan Addison than um, – than Quentin Johnson. That's just my personal opinion, the way the board sits right now. Okay. And when you look at that, um, you know, as far as, as far as notes and things like that, again, the thing that sticks out with Jackson Smith and Jigba is I think he's going to be a good slot receiver. I really do. So let's move on to number two on the list. Number two, we've got Peter Skaronsky. A lot of people got really excited about Peter Skaronsky. I was one of those people, right. With the, with the Packer ties and, you know, family legacy and all that. And you see him at times and it's like, man, this guy, he's a beast. He is. He's a, he's a physical specimen. Um, but I was hearing Greg Cosell talk about him the other day. And then I heard two other people that do draft coverage. Um, not that I put any stock into theirs as far as the data that goes into my board, Greg Cosell. Absolutely. I do. He's like my head scout. That's the way I look at Greg Cosell. All right. Uh, but these other guys seen the same thing and they're on different podcasts. And they were just talking about how he sometimes he just gets blown up. He just gets blown off the edge. And they were talking about he he would probably be more of a guard than a tackle. And I'm sitting there going, man, I don't know. I don't know about that, right? Now, my board suggests he's the 11th best prospect. So, with that being the case, is Peter Skaronsky worth the 15 pick? Absolutely he is, based off of my information. The only thing that makes me hesitant is that Greg Cosell comment. 
and and obviously Peter Skaronski, he uh, he finished in the eights, you know, like eight point. I can't remember if it was eight point three. I don't have the exact RAS score, so he had a really really good RAS score, and it does meet the Packers criteria when it comes to you know that uh, that trait system, right? Where we were talking about Cheesehead TV did the article where um, eight point three and above is what the Packers kind of the floor has been for RAS scores when it comes to taking players in the first and second round. They really, really like to key in on those traits there um, with the early picks in the draft. So Peter Peter Skaronski got one vote. He's number 11 on my big board. I would totally be okay with that, but I just want to mention what Greg Cosell and others said about him being being kind of blown off the ball a bit, right? It's something it's it's very, very important to kind of take note of that. Now let's move on to number three. Number three got one vote, and that's Nolan Smith, edge defender. Right, Nolan Smith out of Georgia, and and some of you guys are going, oh, this meets it right here, boy, because we love our Georgia defenders, right? Wouldn't it be kind of cool? I mean, think about it. Rashawn Gary, there. I'm hearing rumors he's going to be ready for Week One. I don't know, man. I just don't. I'm like I said, I'm curbing the enthusiasm. I've said it over and over. I sound like a broken record, but that's just something that it's hard for me to believe he's going to be ready for Week One. I, God, I sure hope he is, right? But let's let's say even if he is. Preston Smith struggled last year. His PFF grade was, I think, 66, if I remember correctly. He had a bad year, right? And he's up and down each year, okay? So what if you did go out and get a Nolan Smith, right? Nolan Smith comes in at number 19 on my board. I would be totally cool with that pick. That's within that range, and I don't think that's that's too much of a reach, right? Quentin Johnston at number 20 is a bit of a reach for me, especially if Jordan Addison's on the board, okay? But when it comes to Nolan Smith, he's just a freak. I mean, he maxed out his RAS, right? He got the the maximum modifier for me. On top of that, Greg Cosell, I mean, he raved about Nolan Smith and just he's just this big ball of talent that's waiting to, you know, be recognized and and take professional coaching and and really push him into uh, something that could be an elite edge defender. And he's very quick. He's not kind of your bull rush guy. He's more of a quick, uh, you know, quick twitch type of guy, speed rusher off the edge, if I remember correctly. But imagine pairing him up with Preston Smith until Rashawn Gary gets back. And let's say let's say Nolan Smith comes out and he lights the freaking league on fire, right? And then Rashawn Gary's healthy. Imagine that combination there. That's pretty exciting. Number 19, again, is where Nolan Smith landed. Obviously, he meets the criteria for Green Bay Packers when it comes to that RAS score. So that was the number three one. Now let's move on to number four. This one was kind of uh, kind of interesting. We had two people vote for B. John Robinson, okay, the the running back. And you guys, B. John, you you know, is is hands down the best running back in this draft. I don't think anybody's arguing about that, right? He's the most complete back. He can he can literally he can run any kind of offense that you want him to run as far as you know uh zone or whatever you want to run. He's got the physical traits to handle it. Okay. He can run inside, he can run outside. When I did my scouting report on him, because a listener actually asked ahead and said, Hey, it might have been Mike, actually, one of the guys that voted for him here in this tweet. They said, you know, take a look at him. I watched the tape. Patience is the big thing that stood out to me. He reminded me of Le'Veon Bell when Le'Veon Bell had that great, you know, uh, one, two, three years, however many years it was. How Le'Veon would just kind of sit in the backfield and wait and be patient and pick through and then hit the hole and bang, he was gone. There's no wasted motion with B. John Robinson. The thing that really stands out to me is his lateral movement without losing any kind of momentum whatsoever. It's, it's so easy for him to just quick twitch outside, 
a little, you know, a little uh, jump step, a little hop step in the backfield into the next gap, and bang, he's through the hole. I mean, he's a stud. Bijan Robinson comes in at number 10 on my board, just above Peter Skaronsky. Okay. He got the maximum modifier, so he blows the RAS out of the water when it comes to the Packers requirement there. And Greg Cosell said, hands down, this is the best running back in the draft. He's got everything across the board. Now, why would you take a halfback there? Some of you guys are going, we've got Aaron Jones. We got AJ Dillon. We've got AJ Dillon, but he's going into the last year of his contract. So what's the plan with AJ Dillon? Guys, I don't care who you are. If if a running back is at least good, you're going to overpay for him when it comes contract time, right? Some people would suggest it's bad enough that we're paying Aaron Jones as much money as we are. I personally don't see it that way because Aaron Jones plays such a vital role in the passing game as well. Everybody likes to look at the wide receiver room and go, they don't spend money on receivers. It's partially true, but at the same time, the money they've invested into Aaron Jones and the role he plays when they flex him out. Sometimes they'll even come out in the pony package and they turn around and flex Aaron Jones out to the boundary, and he, he's basically playing receiver as well right, at times. And then obviously the screen game and everything in between, pre-snap motion, not just flexing them out, but pre-snap motion, like you know, last-second movement, things like that. He's a big, big part of the passing game. But what are you going to do with A.J. Dillon? Are you going to overpay him? Are you going to re-sign him? I love A.J. Dillon. If there's anybody who's willing to take a discount or provide a discount for the Packers, it's probably A.J. Dillon. And if he's willing to, then heck yeah, bring him back. But I can see the case for B. John Robinson. You're talking about the best running back in the draft. You're getting a guy, let's assume that he's on Saquon Barkley's level, right? Let's assume he's one of those premier backs. You plug and play him, and he's a top three back in the league right off the bat. I'm not saying that's the case and it's a slam dunk, but let's pretend that that's the case here. If so, imagine that offense now. You've got him, you've got Aaron Jones, you've got B. John Robinson, and you've got A.J. Dillon. Guys, I know we need a receiver, right? I know we need a, an extra receiver and some extra, uh, you know, weapons for uh, for Jordan Love. But, man, you provide him with that kind of depth at the running back position and you really commit to running the ball, dude, th th that could be really, really exciting. It really could. So, again, he comes in at number 10 on my board, best running back in the draft. I'm totally okay with that. If we get to number 15 and B. John's still on the board and they pull the trigger there, what you've done is you set yourself up to have one of the deepest backfields in the entire National Football League, and then you let A.J. Dillon walk into free agency and B. John steps right into that role. And who knows, maybe Aaron Jones doesn't come back next year. Now you're set up for the future with this stud of a running back, right, and you're ready to roll. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. I really don't. So, again, that is uh, – that's B. John Robinson comes in at number four with two votes. And you guys know I'm counting up to the guys – with the most votes. So stay with me here. Uh, number five, we got Miles Murphy. He got two votes as well. He's number 13 on my big board. Miles Murphy's an edge defender out of Clemson. And, and this is, you know, he, you talk about a guy who's just raw talent, right? And he made a big improvement from last season. Like he's one of those guys, that if you go watch his 2021 tape, you'll be like, oh yeah, I can kind of see it. You watch his 2022 tape and it's like, whoa, big jump. And still got a ton of talent. Ton of talent. He comes in at number 13 on my board. He's got the maximum modifier for RAS, definitely meets the uh, Packers criteria. And he's one of those guys that when I was hearing Greg Cosell talk about him, Greg Cosell was basically like, um, you know, he was kind of coming from the angle of he wasn't just going, Miles Murphy's a stud. He's going to uh, tear the league up. He's pro ready, all that. 
his his approach was I, there's not many players that you see come into the draft that has his kind of athletic profile and someone he can be uh, so effective right off the bat. But he was a little bit hesitant. The big thing was it's raw though. It's raw talent. He's he's one of those guys going to take some time. So he didn't get the maximum modifier from Greg Cosell for me, and he's still landing at number thirteen coming out of Clemson. So I would be okay with that. Again, the same thing that we talked about when we mentioned, you know, uh, what if you uh, what if you drafted Nolan Smith, right? It applies even more so with Miles Murphy. I mean, Miles Murphy's coming in at number thirteen. Nolan Smith was number nineteen. Again, that is a tier one position of importance when it comes to defense, edge, and uh, and nose tackle are the top. You know, the only two positions on defense, in my opinion, that are top tier, um, load up, load up at the edge, edge defender position. That's what's so cool. We may get in a position where we could trade back and still land one of these top notch edge defenders. It just depends on, uh, you know, was the front office setting the structure for these trades already? Or, you know, is it something that they're not even really looking to trade back at any point and they don't have that structure in place? But again, Miles Murphy, I'd be good with that. With the, with this Twitter poll or questions, you know, this tweet that I put out, you know, asking this question is telling me is that Packer fans are so freaking intelligent. Like, you guys are right on it. There's been nobody that's been a huge reach yet. And there will be one here in a minute, but there's kind of a caveat with it, which is really exciting in my opinion. So um, let's move on to number six on the list is Lucas Van Ness. You guys know I've talked about him. He's gotten two votes, um, number 18 on my big board. He's the player that kept popping up. When I'm doing these exercises, last year the player that kept popping up, running mock drafts from a sense of, okay, if I do just a one-round mock draft, all right, these players are available, let's do it again. These players are available, let's do it again. These players are available. The one player that kept making sense for me to draft last year for the Packers was Devontae Wyatt, and lo and behold, bang, they took him, right? This year, Lucas Van Ness has kind of been that player. He's number 18 on my board. Right, he got the maximum modifier, so RAS checks out. His grades are fourteen point six. Um, you know, Greg Cosell. I haven't heard any him say anything about Lucas Van Ness, but I haven't heard him say a whole lot about edge defenders like Will Anderson. I haven't heard him talk about Tyree Wilson. I haven't heard him talk about Miles Murphy. He mentioned him a little bit because it's kind of one of those wild card guys that's got a lot of upside. Hasn't mentioned anything about Lucas Van Ness. He was over the moon about Nolan Smith. Um, so when you kind of look at uh, you know, where we're sitting there with this potential pick in Lucas Van Ness, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. He fits the profile, right? And, uh, you know, he he's a guy that coming out of Iowa, That's that's been a uh, a school that the Packers, you know, have kind of leaned on a little bit in, uh, in the past. Um, we all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. 
So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I would be totally cool with that. I mean, coming in at number 18, he's in that tier. You know, he's actually, uh, he grades out a little bit higher than Nolan Smith on the horizontal board, but he is one tier above Nolan Smith as well. So I think that would be a solid pick. Um, Again, premier position, right? But again, Lucas Van Ness got two votes. All right, moving on to the next one. At three votes, we've got Darnell Wright. Okay, Darnell Wright. Now, this one was interesting because the people that mentioned Darnell Wright were talking about trading back. Okay, and again, Darnell Wright got got three votes. I want to challenge you guys to do something. You can find this tape. I want you to go watch. First of all, Will Anderson. You know who Will Anderson is, right? Edge defender out of Bama. He's the number three prospect on my board. Okay, number three on my board. I want you to go watch the tape from when Darnell Wright matched up against Will Anderson. I heard other people talking about it. You know, obviously Darnell Wright is an offensive tackle that plays for Tennessee. Uh, Maximum modifier RAS, uh, Greg Cosell, over the moon for him, several other people the same way. He's number 40 on my board, guys. But I, I challenge you to go watch the Alabama game and watch him manhandle Will Anderson. It is a it is amazing. When I heard people talking about, it, I'm like, oh, they're probably overreacting. I went and watched the tape, and I was like, my God, Darnell Wright. Now we know the Packers, if I understood correctly, I think they attended that pro day, if I remember right. Now with him being number forty on my board, and you know when you come out of that uh, out of the first round into the second round, I think we got the fifteenth pick in the second round. I, I'm trying to think if there's any other picks that have slid in there before us. I don't believe so. Um, that's going to be kind of there in that ballpark, right? I'm not suggesting you take him with number 15, and nor were the people that were responding on Twitter. What they were suggesting is trade back and then take Darnell Wright. So maybe you trade back into the 20s. Let's say you trade back to 25 and you take Darnell Wright there. According to my horizontal board, it would be a bit of a reach. But I'm telling you, man, the people that I trust the most, they were over the moon with him. Like they were this, – this dude is the real deal. That's really exciting to think that offensive tackle um, and edge defender might be that deep that you could get a stud like that down there around uh, the number 40 spot, right? I wouldn't be surprised if he goes early in the first round either. I mean, there's some people that like him that much. They really are. And his stock has definitely went through the roof, um, you know, after the the pro day and and the combine and all that um, with that maximum modifier RAS. I mean, he's just a stud. He's a beast. So I would be cool with that too. Now, when you're talking about offensive tackles, whether it's Peter Skaronsky or, or, uh, or you know, somebody like a Darnell Wright, Darnell Wright, the thing about him is he's a right tackle, plug and play. 
Now, when you hear about Peter Skaronsky, you hear about, oh, he might be better off being a guard. Guys, that's, I don't want to hear that. The number 15 pick, I don't want to hear that, oh, we might be a tackle, we might be a guard. Flush that garbage. Darnell Wright is a plug-and-play right tackle, in my opinion. That's what I've seen on that Bama tape. Granted, it was only one game, right? And he may have made several mistakes throughout the year. But he's that he's one of those guys you can plug and play at right tackle. What was our issue last year against the Lions at the end of the year? In times that, that protection broke down, when David Bakhtiari was healthy, he was solid. Elton Jenkins settled back into left guard. That really calmed that down. We all know that Josh Myers has struggled. Okay, there's, there's no two ways about it. Right guard, now that we got Royce Newman out of there and put John Runyon in, that's really stabilized right guard. Now, he's made mistakes too, don't get me wrong. But right tackle has been the weak spot, whether it's Josh or Zach Tom. Now, I say weak spot, but Zach Tom really held his own as a rookie. A perfect scenario would be that Zach Tom could win the right tackle spot in camp, and he's our right tackle for the foreseeable future, put it to bed, good to go, right? But if you draft the Dornell right and he's significantly better than Zach Tom, what if you now try to move Zach Tom around on the interior? What if he becomes that swing offensive lineman? I would like to see him try to compete for that starting center job. The problem with that is we all know Goody doesn't like to give up on his draft picks. When I say Goody doesn't, the changes or lack thereof from the coaching staff, whether it's Darnell Savage or you know insert any other name, when a player struggles, it's like they don't want to give up on them too soon. But it's like, man, you gotta you got to put the best players on the field, right? I think one of the issues that Josh Myers has had is he hasn't had competition. Guys, competition brings the best out of everybody. You know, a, rise, a rising tide raises all ships, right? You hear that over and over and over. It's so true. Like, you want to motivate people, like, put their job on the line. If Who, who was competing – with Josh Myers for the starting center job? Nobody, right? Nobody. So what incentive does he have to, to dig deeper and try to become a better offensive lineman? I'm not suggesting Josh Myers doesn't give 100% or even 110%, right? But if you want to get the most out of a player, and it's not even about getting the most out of the player as much as it is peace of mind knowing you're doing everything you possibly can to improve your roster on a day-in, day-out basis, then put somebody behind him that's going to light a fire under him. It happened with Aaron Rodgers when they drafted Jordan Love. You know, a lot of people like to bash the Jordan Love pick. Yes, we don't know exactly what he is yet. We're going to find out this year, and I'm excited to get that answer. But the one thing they can't deny is it pissed Aaron Rodgers off so much that he went out and went back to back MVPs. Now, the same people that go, see, Goody knew what he was doing. He lit a fire under him. Yeah, he did. But how in the world can you now look at the back to back MVP and go, it's his fault we didn't make it to the Super Bowl and win the whole thing. You can't. I'm sorry, you can't. You can nitpick in big games and this and that, but conveniently not mention the block punts and the missed field goals and the the you know the the secondary gaffes right before halftime, giving up a bomb to Tom Brady and on and on and on and on, right? But man, you've you have got to be able to light a fire under people the way that they did Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love, and why not do that with Josh Myers? Right now, how do you do that? If you if you do take a player like Darnell Wright or you know another offensive tackle that could possibly play right tackle, and you let Zach Tom start taking some of those training camp reps at center, who knows, man? You never know. Or hell, even Elton Jenkins, right? You've got to do something to shake it up because Josh Myers is underperformed. 
You know, it's kind of like Kenny Clark. It, when you mention Josh Myers, people get mad and they're like, oh, I think he's played great. He's the, the big caveat. The big thing that they always say in defense of Josh Myers is, well, he's a starter. That's a good pick. Guys, just because somebody's starting doesn't mean it's a good pick. It, you could be starting and playing bad. That doesn't make it a good pick, right? And I know he hasn't been horrible, but, man, center is – it's you know, it's that tier two position for me, you know, position of importance on offense. Like, that center position is absolutely huge. Aside from the left tackle position, it's the most important position on the offensive line. Some would argue it's even more important than left tackle. Um, so do whatever you got to do to maximize everything you possibly can with every position on the field, especially those tier one and tier two positions of importance. Um, so again, Darnell Wright, that was really fun to see three votes coming for him, and he's number 40 on my board. And it wasn't for number 15 pick, guys. I want you, want you to understand everybody who voted, everybody that mentioned, they said, I say you trade back and get Darnell Wright. And I was like, I like the way these guys think because I am a big trade back guy. I really am. There's nothing worse than sitting through the whole first round and not making a pick. You know, as a fan, I, I would think that would be horrible sitting here on draft, not waiting for the Packers to pick. And they trade completely out of the first round. And you're like, okay, well, first round of the draft shot for me as a Packers fan. Right. But trading back, maximizing value, knowing that you got players that can literally plug and play and player, you know, uh, players on the board that are really, really high. Who knows, man? They may have a, uh, you know, a, a top 15 grade on Darnell Wright. I don't know, but we're going to find out on draft night. Um, and I think he is. I think he's a stand-up dude. All right, number eight, Brian Branch. Safety Brian Branch out of Alabama, number 17 on my big board. Whoo, when you mention Brian Branch, boy, people lose their mind. Um, again, he comes in at number 17 for me. He's more of a box safety in my opinion. So he's not that free safety, although we've seen Rudy Ford play free safety last year. If you were to draft Brian Branch at number 15, I think there's a really, really, really good chance that he would beat Darnell Savage out to play strong safety. And the reason I say this is because Savage tended to play strong safety more than free safety. And what I mentioned by that is the rotation in Vic, this Vic Fangio-style defense here with Joe Barry – it's very fluid. There's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of man principles within a zone structure. There's a lot of things that kind of come into play, right? Um, but more times than not, you've seen Savage in the box. You've seen Amos in the box. When Savage moved to the slot, right, to play play the slot corner position, you've seen Amos down in the box way more than Rudy Ford. So if Rudy Ford's going to be your free safety, he's got that athletic ability. You know, he's got that quickness. We've seen him. I think he would have finished with three or four interceptions last year. I thought he played really well. Um, at times, he played great. He had some bad games, too. That inconsistency really kind of brings you back down to earth. But for the amount of money you re-signed Rudy Ford for, you know, you're golden there. What if you drafted Brian Branch, started him at strong safety, you now have Keyshawn Nixon playing the slot, right? You've got Darnell Savage who can play the slot as well. Brian Branch, I, in my opinion, because of his 40 time, because of his combine performance or lack thereof, um, it's really driven his his draft stock down, and I think it's silly. It's one of the reasons why I, I begin building my board and then add modifiers in is because if you wait and someone has a bad combine like a Kyle Hamilton last year, he sinks on the board, right? And what happens? Kyle Hamilton sinks on the board. The Ravens scoop him up, I think, at number 14 last year. Guys, he was the best safety in the entire NFL, not the draft not just of rookies, he graded out the highest amongst all safeties in the entire NFL last year, Kyle Hamilton did. 
And if you would have watched the draft coverage, read the blogs leading up to the draft, it was, oh, man, no, he don't have the athletic ability they thought he did. You've seen the 40 time, this and that. Brian Branch is in the same boat. Like, how many times are we going to do this and not learn, right? And I'll say this. I would not be surprised if somebody really reaches on Brian Branch because the other safeties in this draft, I mean, you've got to you got to really climb down. Like I said, Brian Branch is number 17. You've got to go all the way down to number 41 before you get the next safety. What's that mean? Just like in free agency. You guys heard me say I thought the tight end market would be cold. Why? Because there's a ton of tight end talent in the draft, right? If with that same principle, the fact that there are several tight ends that are grading out first-round talents or borderline first-round talents, you're going to see some teams hesitate a little bit because they're like, oh, well, you know, Dalton Kincaid's just as good as Michael Mayer. Let's wait till Michael Mayer's off the board, then we'll try to hop up there and get him. And next thing you know, that's how players start to fall, right? So the same thing could apply with safety. The only problem is there's only one safety that grades out really, really well, and that's Brian Branch. So just like in free agency, when you've got a stacked draft draft class full of tight ends, the tight end market and free agency is going to be a little bit cold, and it was. We nailed it. But you guys heard me say this safety class is so weak that I think that they'll, the safety market and free agency will be hot. It was, right? So with it being hot and there's only one safety, somebody's liable to reach. I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Branch goes top ten. I really would. Now, could he fall all the way out of the first round? Absolutely, anything's possible. And there are a lot of teams that put a lot of stock into those 40 times and into the measurables. The only thing that's going against Brian Branch for us is, again, per Cheesehead TV and Math Bomb and talking about RAS scores, the Packers in the last several years have not taken a first or a second round pick with less than an 8.30 RAS score. Brian Branch doesn't meet the criteria. So I think it's a long shot. However, if they took him, I would be excited because I've watched the freaking tape. And when you look at, like, what's the thing that the Packers struggled the most with last year? There's two things that come to mind. One, some fans, all they're doing is playing 10 yards off the ball. It's third and five, and they're playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, right? That was the big argument. Joe Barry's an idiot, blah, 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 blah. The other thing was tackling. And the tackling costed us way more than where we lined up pre-snap. And what does Brian Branch do great? Guys, he has a 2.3% missed tackle percentage. Now, what's that mean? He only misses 2.3% of the attempted tackles he makes. Okay, so to put that into perspective, let's say he has 100 tackle opportunities. He only misses two of those tackles out of 100. Guys, that's crazy. That's like a 97, what, 97.7% success rate in tackling. Guys, that was better. That's better than every other safety in the PFF era, right, since they started keeping up with PFF data. That's better than every safety that's ever entered the draft during the PFF era. I'm going to go one step further. That's better than any linebacker in the PFF era that was drafted. Guys, he tackles better than any linebacker we've seen since PFF launched. That's crazy. What do we need? We need tackling. Andy Herman quote tweeted me on Twitter. It was hilarious. He hit the nail on the head. Like, yeah, that's all great. And, you know, when I put that stat out there, he's like, that's all great and everything. But we know as soon as he gets to Green Bay, he's going to forget how to tackle. (laughs) Right? And I was like, yeah, you you got it, Andy. That's pretty much how it goes. So, again, Brian Branch, 
Um, he comes in at number eight here with three votes. Um, number 17 on my big board, I would totally be okay with that pick, although I think it's a big, big stretch to think that the Packers would take him with that low RAS score, that athletic, uh, you know, those traits or, or, or lacking in the traits department, I should say. All right, so let's move on to number nine. This is one of my favorite prospects in this draft, and it's Michael Mayer tied in out of Notre Dame. He's number 22 on my big board, okay? I've got Dalton Kincaid. Actually, he's number 23 on my big board. I got Dalton Kincaid number 22. I need to change it. I keep forgetting. Dalton Kincaid, you know, didn't even complete his RAS, okay? So he doesn't even have a complete uh, athletic profile, and he's still tied with Michael Mayer. I promise you Dalton Kincaid would pass Michael Mayer with the modifiers applied if he were to, you know, do a pro day or, or would have attended the combine. Um, you know, Greg Cosell rant and raved about Dalton Kincaid. Michael Mayer, he did as well, but there was a few little things lacking there. So it's it's neck and neck when it comes to Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid. The big surprise for me when I put this out here is nobody mentioned Dalton Kincaid. Now, he is more of a receiving top tight end. Some of you guys got excited over that. Some of you guys are like, no, we need to focus on running the ball. We need someone who's going to kind of fill the, fill the shoes of Mercedes Lewis, that type of player, right? If you're looking for that type of player, Michael Mayer can play every position when it comes to tight end. He can play attached, right, an extension of the offensive line. He can play in the backfield if you needed to, you know, if you wanted to play some H. He can play flex if you wanted to flex your tight end out, that Y flex look. He could also play boundary. He does it all. He's a player that's got great great body control, right? He's got strong hands. He, he just has this unique ability to be able to create separation at the catch point, right? He, he knows how to use his huge frame. They called him Baby Gronk for a reason. But he does not have that athletic profile that just jump, jumps off the charts, right? Although he did finish meeting the criteria that the Packers you know, require when it comes to RAS. He's got that three-point modifier for me. So everything checks across the board with Michael Mayer. The only problem is he's number 22 on my board or 23 on my board and Dalton Kincaid's 22. I don't like the thought of taking one of those tight ends at number 15. And you guys know I have pounded the table this offseason and go, we have got to take a tight end. We've got to get this tight end position buttoned up. It's what's really holding this offense back. But that doesn't mean you reach. Just because you've got a need, you don't reach. You take the best player on the board. And when, when you say best player on the board, everybody pretends like it's, oh, it's got to be one player. No, within a tier of uh, a pool, you know, a tier of talent, you take the best player available. So if there's three players in the same tier, then you can look at that and go, okay, any of these three players is best player available in my opinion. All right. So when it comes to Michael Mayer at 22, man, that's a reach. What I would like to see happen is get a tight end in the second round. You might have to trade up. Let's say Michael Mayer, let's say Dalton Kincaid's the first tight end taken, right? Let's say Dalton Kincaid's taken at 28, right? And then, you know, at about 32, 33, you're going, okay, the next tight end's about to come off the board. Let's say you see another team coming up the chart, and you okay, they're picking it at 34, and you know they need a tight end. And hands down, Michael Mayer's the best player available on the board right now. If it's their position of need, he's the best player on the board, on the horizontal board. When you look at it that way, the way you've got to approach that is I'm willing to trade up and leapfrog those teams, okay? That's what I would like to see them do with a tight end, whether it's Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid. Although Packer fans on Twitter, they're definitely set on Michael Mayer with him getting those three votes in that little uh, exercise I did. So you notice there's not a whole lot of votes. You know, we had two players with one vote, 
We had several players with two votes. We had three players with three votes. We have one player with four votes, and that's coming up right now. That's Paris Johnson, offensive tackle. And then there's one player that got a ton of votes, okay? But let's talk about Paris Johnson real quick. At number 10, offensive tackle Paris Johnson is number 14 on my horizontal board, okay? Um, Out of Ohio State, he's got an incomplete RAS, so we don't know if he would meet that criteria. I believe he would meet that criteria, um, although – the Packers in the past, I don't think they've taken anyone who didn't have that completed profile. Um, his grade comes out as a 12.3, meaning he's worthy of the 12th pick, although he falls in the 14 slot when it comes to comparing other players. To put it into perspective, Peter Skaronsky is one tier above Paris Johnson on my horizontal board. Now, Greg Cosell wasn't huge on him, okay? He wasn't. He felt like Paris Johnson got blown off the ball at times. Um, he was stiff. He, he, he was just a, a guy that didn't carry his weight well. Um, he, uh, you know, he was kind of down on Peter Skaronsky as well. But Paris Johnson's one of those guys that when I look at the data that's put into the draft board, I'm not crazy about. But sitting at number 14, I mean, when you look at offensive tackles, the way they fall for me is Peter Skaronsky at number 11. Then you got Paris Johnson at number 14. And then you got Broderick Jones at number 15. So you've basically got three tackles that are right there in the ballpark. I would be okay with all three of those tackles. But the Greg Cosell effect really bothers me a little bit. Like, man, when you're drafting that high, you want a player to be just almost flawless, right? When you're picking in the top 15, whatever player – like, this is going to be a great test for Goody. It is. Because I know there's been a lot of a lot of chatter about Goody's overrated, fire him. Other people are like, no. I mean, some people, Goody has never made one bad draft pick their entire career. <laughs> And they immediately want to compare it to other teams, and it just gets really, really ugly. It's, people just want to argue, and I'm not, I'm not buying into that, right? I, I don't want to participate in that. But if he misses on a fifth number 15 pick, if we don't get a player that can that can really jump in there and uh and 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 provide some kind of value the first year in the league, whether it's a quarter of the way through the season, halfway through the season, or someone who comes out in camp and just lights the world on fire. If he don't, then Goody's gonna have he's going to have some criticism and rightfully so, right? I don't think you can go wrong with either of those tackles, but when you hear some of the negative aspects of their game, really all three of them, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, and Broderick Jones, Greg Cosell wasn't very high on. Now, he didn't say they're not first-round picks. He just pointed out more negatives than positive. That kind of gets me a little nervous. Darnell Wright, he rant and raved over. He believes he's a first-round pick, right? You know, an interior offensive lineman out of Florida, Torrance. I think it's Osiris Torrance is how you say his name. Stud. He absolutely loved him. He's at the 28 slot for me. But when it comes to Paris Johnson, he definitely lands at number 14 on my big board, and he's the second-best offensive tackle uh, in this year's draft. Guys, they may take him at 15, and he might end up being a stud. You plug him in at right tackle, and then when David Bakhtiari leaves, you slide him over to left tackle, or you just draft the left tackle that year. Um, you know, you guys know I don't think it's as easy as some people make it out to be when it comes to switching from left tackle to right tackle. But same time, you take a player that high, man, you you better hope to hope to God that he can play both sides of the ball. He better do something good because that's you could trade out of that and stockpile a bunch of picks and make multiple swings in the second round, right? Um, you trade back to around pick 30 and pick up a ton of draft capital. Um, and I'm not suggesting they should do that necessarily. But if it comes down to a player that, oh, well, they do this well, but they don't really do that well, I don't think that's worthy of the number 15 pick. I'd rather take multiple swings, right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket type thing. So let's get to the top player that got voted the most, okay? 
and that is wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. Guys, again, we had two players with or three players with one vote. Okay. We had three players with two votes. We had three players with three votes, one player with four votes. And then we had Jackson Smith and Jigba with 13 votes. 13 freaking votes. He is number 21 on my big board. Now, why is that? He's a player that if you're going to take a wide receiver with the number 15 pick, in my opinion, that receiver better be able to play all three positions when it comes, you know, to, to playing to playing X, playing Z, and playing the slot. You better be able to do everything. I mean, that is it's a ton of drag, just like with the offensive tackle. If you take somebody with a number 15 pick and then you st- immediately you've got two or three glaring negative aspect of their game, that's not, I don't think that's a great pick, right? But with Jackson Smith and Jigba, the modifier is through the freaking roof. He killed the combine, right? Or the pro, I can't remember if it's a combine or the pro day, but maximum modifier there, right? Now, I have not heard Greg Cosell say much about him other than he's got a ton of lateral explosion, right? The only problem with Jackson Smith and Jigba, he is not a vertical threat. So you could plug him into the slot, and I think he can be a great slot receiver. Let's look at the current roster. Does that make sense? Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, you got Samori Torre, you got Bo Melton and Jeff Cotton, right? Who and who, right? <laughs> Those last two. But if you got Samori Torre, you can kind of be that that filler, that that fourth wide receiver when you want to go to you know, those empty looks, okay? And I don't know how often they'll do that with Jordan Love. I'm sure they're just as comfortable doing that with Jordan Love as they were with Aaron because Jordan's had so much time in the system and we've seen his game improve. I think he's I think he's got an opportunity to be a really, really good starting quarterback. I'm, I'm choosing to be very, very optimistic about Jordan Love for sure. Um, but when it comes to Jackson Smith and Jigba, can he be an elite slot receiver? Now, if he is, how often are you going to be in 11 personnel, right? That's the question because – Every year we hear people say that Aaron Rodgers is preventing them from running Shanahan's system. And you guys have heard me scream over and over and over, this is not Shanahan's system. This is Sean McVay's system, right? Sean McVay runs a ton of 11 personnel and 12 personnel. So if we don't shift to the 21 look like some people are you know, convinced that we're going to – it may happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But some people are absolutely convinced that they're going to shift right into the 21 look and it's going to really cut down on the 11 personnel, meaning three receivers. I need to explain this for, for new listeners. 11 personnel, simply the the first number, um, you know, is is the, the running back and the second number is the tight ends, okay? So you got one running back, one tight end. That means there's three wide receivers. That's 11 personnel. 12 personnel is one running back, two tight ends, right? Which means there's only two wide receivers. So if you're going to shift into that 21 personnel, which is basically two running backs, uh, one tight end, which means two receivers, where's Jackson Smith and Jigba fit into the equation? Now, if you're going to stay with 11 personnel, you're going to need that slot receiver quite often. I personally think they will stay with 11 personnel as their majority set, and if that's the case, I'm totally cool with Jackson Smith and Jigba being the uh, the draft pick. But you just got to understand, he's not a receiver. At least he could come out and prove us all wrong, right? But with what I see right now, I do not think he is a complete wide receiver. I don't. I don't think it's – when I say complete, he's not a vertical threat. Yes, he can play that. Yes, he can do that. But at the same time, you want – great coaches, what do they do? 
they put players in a position to do what they do best, right? They don't try to fit square pegs into round holes. They're not drafting Demarius Randall and trying to get him to play, you know, an alternate position, right? The Ahmad Carrolls and on and on and on and on, right? You, you find out what a player does well, and you put them in that position as often as possible. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a great slot receiver with the lateral explosion. That's where you want to use them at. So, uh, guys, listen, I, I am totally cool with Jackson Smith and Jigba being the draft pick. But, again, we did this exercise because somebody asked me, who do you want them to take at number 15? And my response was, who cares what I want? I want to know who you think. And they answered me. And then I put the Twitter poll up or the Twitter question up and gathered that information. It's hands down Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's the fan favorite. How cool would it be, though? To have, when was the last time we had a slot that you could say is a great slot receiver? Think about it. Who was it? You could say Randall Cobb for sure in his prime. Absolutely. Imagine getting Randall Cobb in his prime for the next five to seven years. That's going to help Jordan Love out tremendously. Before that, who was the slot receiver? They like to move a lot of guys around, right? But the one that comes to mind for me was Donald Driver. Just scrappy, you know? Packers Hall of Fame, all-time leading receiver, I believe, in Packers history, if I remember correctly. That would be really exciting to have a player like that, and that's something that Jordan Love can lean on. I would be cool with, I think, pretty much all of these picks. That's what I was saying, man. You guys are awesome. You ripped it out of the frame. Like, I'd be good with any of these. Even Darnell Wright, if we traded out of the first round and took him either at the bottom of the first round or at the top of the second, wherever you trade back to, I'd be cool with that. Brian Branch, I'm okay with. I think it's a long shot because of the RAS. Um, but any of these players, I guess the point I'm trying to make is you heard where they hit on my horizontal board. All of these players aren't going to be taken. Some of these are going to be available. And I would not be surprised if one of these, one of these listeners, one of these Twitter followers actually hit their pick here. So I'm I'm excited, man. We're getting real close to the draft. It's right around the corner. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how everything unfolds. So just want to do that exercise for you guys. Again, I'm not going to push out podcasts and force content. When we get stuff of substance, I go, hey, you know what? That would be a good pod. I'll roll it out. But the last thing I want to do is just give you guys filler and waste your time. Because the fact that you you take the time to listen to us and make us a part of your day and sit through the ads and all that stuff, knowing that it helps us and helps support the Packernet podcast family, it means the world to us. I definitely don't want to force any content out there, but I'm planning on doing another one this week. I know Jacob hit me up. We're going to try to get together for a pod. I got a couple other guests lined up that I'd like to get in here. Um, so we'll get you guys some more stuff coming here real soon. Really appreciate everybody's time hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. Enough to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25, 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of the Belmont. Down the split end time. No one will catch him. It's a touchdown. My goodness. Came into the game. Wayne punched the ball with a groin injury. Didn't practice all week. And he just took it right off the gut through the heart of the Minnesota Viking coverage unit.